You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello there, welcome to this week's podcast. This week we've got another recovery story, a guy called Drake. And um, I'll just let Drake tell you about himself. Hope you enjoy this week. Here's Drake. Okay, so yeah, I had sort of started out, I'd had some health issues happen in, um, you know, just throughout my, uh, you know, maybe starting around 2014, I had some thyroid issues and then some, um, I guess, negative reactions to some medications that caused um, a lot of weight gain above my set point. Um, And so I I, I ended up seeing a doctor who helped with some of the um, thyroid issues and some of the, um, I guess, underlying causes for the rapid weight gain. And so I started to see um, weight loss just through those changes and then mildly, um, I guess, focusing on eating, I guess, a more nutritious diet um, because I didn't have a very nutritious diet before that. And so as the weight loss started, it really wasn't problematic until it started to get out of control. Um, and so as I continued losing weight, um, I guess I sort of slowly started, you know, my, my, my eating disorder started with, um, more of the orthorexia tendencies. Um, and so that was definitely a huge factor in, uh, the eating disorder. And then, over time sort of merged into just restriction through and and then compulsive exercise as well. With respect to the OCD, it's something that I've struggled with um, all my life and it sort of manifested itself differently in different, um, in different time periods. But um, I had gotten off of my, um, my anti-anxiety medication because I thought that I was doing well, um, which is probably right at the time of my life when I probably shouldn't have gotten off of it. Um, but within, you know, a month or so of going off of that, that was really when the eating disorder started. And it started with just obsessively, you know, counting calories or macronutrients. And then it was sort of, you know, I'd do that for two or three days and then it would be, you know, I wouldn't think about it much. And then as it slowly started to get worse and worse and worse, as I started to enter the energy deficit, especially when I started um, purging through exercise, that was really when the OCD ramped up as well. And then every uh, piece of food at one point that I had to consume had to be perfectly measured out and perfectly uh, entered into the tracker. I, I remember one time I was with my family and we were traveling and uh, uh, I had to put the salad dressing for my salad in a plastic bag to make sure it was exactly two tablespoons. And so sort of the obsession with making things just right has been something that's been consistent throughout my struggle with OCD. And I didn't really realize it um, with around food because in our culture, it's so praised um, to be conscious of what you're eating and conscious of being healthy. And so um, one of the things that made do you think as a guy, people expect that less of you or not? With the um, the being healthy part? Yeah, or... and the kind of like orthorexia and... Um, I mean, 
I think it depends on, you, you know, there's a lot of orthorexia in fitness scenes and in uh, sports things. I mean, I know that like different athletes are, you know, can often engage in the exact same behaviors or, 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 you know, different extreme behaviors in a way that they become socially praised. While, you know, if, if a, you know, woman were to do those things, it would be possibly considered problematic. Um, and so I think that there's a little bit of a danger there because, um, you, you know, people are, are not as conscious of eating disorders in the male population. And so when those behaviors start to occur, most people don't really catch it. Absolutely. Or they catch it later and it's really, really problematic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, but no, yeah, no, that that's helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's also, there's lots of problems with guys being diagnosed. I think that it's, it's just not caught early enough in guys because just what you were saying that people don't expect or aren't looking for it as much. And so you can be engaging in these restrictive behaviors and, excessive exercise and it doesn't hit anybody's radar until it's got really bad. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, I was about to say something else about the, um, I guess the healthy eating habits, but, um, I am, I am drawing a blank on what I was going to say, but yeah, that's, Oh, oh, oh I know what I was going to say. I, I had previously been, you know, I, I struggled with other addictions, other process addictions in the past and had felt a lot of shame and guilt for engaging in those behaviors because mm. society deems those as wrong or bad or whatever. Um, but because I was, you know, clinically overweight, obese before, when you start in a society that, that praises thinness and you start to lose weight, there's sort of this praise. And so with the eating disorder, I felt a sense of empowerment and a sense of um, being in control while with the other um, compulsive behaviors, it felt as if I was out of control and, and, and ashamed. And so it was the, both of the, all of the behaviors were problematic, but it's just the cultural response to restrictive dieting is praise when it really should be um, in a case like mine concern. So what, what do you, what do you think is the sort of main thing that really helped you in recovery? Mm. Yeah. So, um, I started to first experience, uh, like the post anorexia binges. Um, and so I was sort of in this place. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday and, and I had ordered this pizza and I remember saying to myself out loud, like I give myself the unconditional permission to eat all foods um, and when that started, I sort of went on this two to three week long binge of just eating so much milkshakes, pizza, donuts, um, just everything in sight. And it's sort of, you know, my, my weight started to restore. Um, and during this time I was freaking out, of course, you know, the eating disorder is telling you you're binging, you're binging, you're binging, you have binge eating disorder, you're going to gain every single pound that you lost back. You're out of control. This is super problematic. Um, and as this is going on, I just kept telling myself, like, you're in recovery from this restrictive eating disorder and you can't listen to that tyrant in your head. 
And so I started, I guess, to do some uh, like research on the Internet and stuff like that, which is how I came across your work um, and just sort of getting the permission to know that when a person is in recovery from a restrictive eating disorder, they are allowed to eat and they are allowed to eat without any any parameters or any guidelines and that they're just able to refeed after that um, period of starvation. And through working with an outpatient dietitian who was, um, I guess, informed with not only eating disorders, but also um, just sort of willing and able to accept the fact that these binges were occurring was just huge. Um, and then I noticed that over time, the desire to do that, you know, started to occur less and less. And mm -hmm. it may have been, it may, yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, that first week it was like every day and then it was like every other day. And then, you know, slowly as my weight climbed back to where my body was happy, the, they went away. And of course, immediately the, um, intrusive thoughts to restrict and the thoughts about, um, weight and fat and, and all of that just started to not go away, of course, but, but, but quiet down. Um, and then I ended up, um, through these binges, I was freaking out. And so that's when I made the decision, um, to go see higher level of care. Um, and so I went to a, uh, partial hospitalization program in Texas, um, and was there for six weeks and did, um, I, I, I had a lot of emotional baggage and, um, I guess struggles with obsessive compulsive disorder that were really um, related to the eating disorder. There, there was the biological component that really set it off with the restriction just through the weight loss, but the um, obsessive compulsive disorder and the, and the trauma sort of weaved their way in as well. And so I found a lot of relief through that therapeutic work that I did, but still single-handedly the, the biggest thing that's helped me recover from anorexia is the, um, just nutritional rehabilitation. Right. Yeah. Eating lots of food and enjoying doing so. Yes. Yeah. So it sounds like you're in a pretty good place now. Yeah. And, and now I'm, I sort of feel as if I'm in the place where, um, this eating disorder has sort of left my life. Um, I mean, the thoughts are still there. The, the impulses are still there, but they're, they're much quieter. And now it, sort of like how do I um, cope with the anxiety and cope with uh, the depression and the trauma without the use of a negative coping skill like an eating disorder. Um, and so for me, the eating disorder has sort of, you know, as I let go of other unhealthy habits, sort of filled its place, which I think happens to, you know, quite a few people in recovery from, from an eating disorder as it sort of becomes their negative coping skill. And so now it's like, what does a life look like without an eating disorder but more than that what does a life look like with healthy coping skills and so I'm sort of in some senses it sounds strange but I'm grieving a little bit because um the anorexia and orthorexia were so helpful in emotional regulation and, and distress tolerance and and now I'm just sort of like in it but it's the the freedom that I found through allowing myself to nourish myself has given me the capacity to nourish myself in all aspects of my life um, with respect to relationships and family and spirituality. And I, I almost felt as if 
my anorexia was not just about food. It was like this anorexia that I applied to every corner of my life and just restricting um, emotions and experiences. I think that's true for just about everybody. Um, mm-hmm. It's of course the food is the is the primary and the it's the food is the key to un, mm-hmm. unraveling it and and getting better. But I think that when our brains think that food is scarce, then our brains start to react to that thinking that it's in this environment where food is scarce. And most of us mm-hmm. get kind of weird about all sorts of other resources as well, money right. being the key one. And then also mm-hmm. just, you know, um, it, I often felt like I was always acting as if an apocalypse was coming. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And so I, and, and then, yeah, I, I, I totally relate and, and agree with everything that, that you said. It's, it's almost like this weird social anxiety came over me that I, I hadn't really experienced. And, and, and I think it was just sort of that, that fight or flight um, response to restriction that was telling me that everything around me was dangerous in a way that, I mean, I, I've struggled with anxiety, but not to the degree that I did um, through the restriction. And then similarly, I saw, um, I guess in some ways, the anorexia as this sort of dramatization of um, acting out the um, restriction that I was feeling on the inside. Um, And so I think there was some, it was almost like the physical representation of my internal battle. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to anybody else who's um, trying to recover today? Um, I would say start by giving yourself the unconditional permission to eat anything in any amount at any point in time. And if you're experiencing a restrictive eating disorder, by definition, you are not, you, you, you cannot have binge eating disorder. You are experiencing the physical, biologically necessary response to a period in time in which you have deprived yourself of food. And so you need to work your way out of that deficit. Um, and I can promise you that the thoughts that you're struggling with right now will slowly start to fade away if you just ignore those thoughts and choose to nourish yourself because it is a conscious choice and no one can make that for you. If you go to a rehab facility or you go and work with a therapist, you know, even if you're eating in front of them, you are the person that is putting the fork to your mouth every single time, whether that's in treatment or whether that's in your house. And so you have to just make that commitment to yourself and to your future to nourish yourself. Um, and then, but, but you really need support as well in this because it's very difficult to recover on your own. And so I would look up, you know, all of the resources and, and just sort of educate yourself on the topic, understand what's happening to you on a biological and physiological level. Um, but then also reach out for that emotional support, um, through, you know, maybe seeking an outpatient dietitian and or therapist to work with you through these, these struggles because you need um, people to be your healthy brain um, while yours is in recovery and you're not always going to be able to make the right decision um, because of this anorexia genetic response. But if you just sort of willingly give yourself over to others in this process, it can be a huge, huge piece of help. And did you use your family at all for support? Yes, definitely. So, so I'm currently away. I, I attend a boarding school in North Carolina. My family is in Texas. And so 
when I saw a higher level of care, I immediately knew I wanted to be in Texas near my family. Um, and so having them there during that support, I actually, I actually lived with my aunt and uncle during that time. Okay. Um, and so they were just huge and, 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 and they'd had a daughter who'd recovered from anorexia as well. We, we, we have, um, lots of people who struggle, um, in our family with eating mm-hmm. disorders. And so, um, they'd been through it and they were there with me and just were, were present. And then my, my, um, immediate family, uh, was just available at any waking moment to just sort of talk me through it. And, um, they were really good about understanding what I was going through. And so they, they attended the psychoeducation groups at the treatment center and were also, um, just making sure I was continuing to recover. Yeah. So your family seemed, I mean, it sounds you're lucky because, well, not lucky because you've got those genetics in your family, but lucky Mm -hmm. in the sense that your family seemed to sound that they were relatively educated um, yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, and, and so, so and, and so super supportive during that process, um, and and we're just immediately ready. Um, just at the first moment, I called and expressed my concern about my my eating disorder. They they jumped on it as quickly as they knew how and got me the support that I needed to recover. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're doing really well. I'm I'm going for it. Yeah, so I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to college next year in Dallas, so I'll be um, near my treatment team, near my family, um, and I'm just going to continue to walk the walk and continue um, fighting for the freedom that I deserve, so I'm excited. It's not easy, but it's good. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. So worth it. So yes. worth it. And, and I, I hope everybody that, that, that listens um, can find some sort of hope and, and know that it is worth it and that... that I, I, I believe full recovery from an eating disorder is possible and just have to have to do the hard work. Huge thank you to Drake for coming on and talking to me and being brave enough to email and say, I have a story and I have a story of hope I want to share with people. Can I come on the podcast? Um, I was thrilled to be able to talk to him. And as you can hear from listening to him he's he's been through a lot and he's learned a lot and he's at that stage where he's he's got that confidence that this is working and this is going to work and I'm on the way out which is thrilling and I'm just so excited for him so thanks again Drake and just best of luck to you keep us informed and updated as to how you're doing Thank you for listening. If you have a recovery story that you would like to share, then you can email me at info at And same is true if you just have a topic that you want covered or you have somebody that you'd like me to talk to. Cheers, and until next time, cheerio.